1: Thursday, May 5th, 2022. Today is the eve of the Kentucky Oaks and two days out from the Kentucky Derby. T-minus two here. This is Mike Abadir. I am your host and I am super, super excited. If it were not for my excitement for the upcoming Derby, I could be honest with you guys. I'm, I'm kind of dragging a little bit today. It's like one of those days where I am a little bit sluggish, uh, but I'm really trying to uh, get up uh for one of the most exciting days of the year to me the kentucky derby weekend has always meant something special and dear to me and i'll get into more about that the sentimental stuff the feelings and the emotion that it resonates in a few minutes but i, I am dragging today but one of the things that's going to get me up has to talk to somebody else that may be a little bit dragging today because he's had a really, really, really long day. He's sought after. His opinions are valued, especially when it comes to horse racing, but many other things as well, college basketball, and even um, he's got some family in baseball scouting, talking, of course, about a regular guest of ours, Keeneland Dan Cronin. The doctor is in the house. You know, I'm, I'm kind of dragging a little bit today, but I'm um, I'm trying to get up for... What is one of my favorite weekends of the entire year? How about you, Dan? How yep. you doing?
2: Yep, same thing. You know, it's you know, it's been a long week. Twenty-two shows. This is the last one.
1: <laughs> wow.
2: So I'm a I'm a little bit tired. You know, drove to Louisville yesterday for a big fundraiser for Bellarmine University, and and did a little uh, handicapping show with, in front of two three hundred people, and that was fun. But the two hours drive like a home was and yeah. It was like just a live seminar and fundraiser for them and their basketball program. And, and, uh, you know, I'll do anything to help out coach Davenport. He's a great friend of mine. And the good news is I got to sit right next to, at the same table with Dallas Stewart and Dale Romans and Kenny McPeak. And, you know, learned a lot, just, just, uh, shooting the bull and talking. And so it was fun. It was a good time.
1: Outstanding, man. That's really, really good stuff. And, uh, You know, I know you're doing it for charity, but hopefully that translates into a couple people giving Fatball Guy Racing hashtag FBG a shot when it comes to handicapping. Before we get totally started and immersed into this, why don't you tell the listeners, once they love your picks, how can they go on your program and subscribe?
2: Oh, it's easy. You just go to FatballGuyRacing.com. And uh, we got a mobile site and we've got the regular, you know, site on the computer, go to either one of them and click the buttons, whichever thing that you, you know, like if you just want the Derby or you want the Oaks and Derby or you want to join full-time, we've got a deal going. You know, if you join full-time, you can join for an entire year and it saves you a boatload of money. And we've also got a WhatsApp for all the, all the full-time members. And, there's probably fifty guys on that that are always talking about gambling it's and it's not always me it's it's all kinds of guys on there talking about golf and sports and everything else uh that they're betting on they They bet on more things than I even bet on, so <laughs> it makes it interesting and fun to see everybody's opinions and and then we also have get ups and meet ups and I mean we just had one uh, recently at Keeneland, We had eleven guys show up, and we're gonna have one this summer at saratoga so We'll have one uh, probably end of May at uh, at Churchill. So, you know, with COVID being just about over, we we're meeting up all over the place again, like we used to do. And you know, you get to, you know you get to meet like-minded people. So, uh, you know, there ain't a lot of us out there, Mike. <laughs> just no, saying. there really aren't. You're right about that.
1: And it yeah. seems I mean, like most, the,
2: most people t- look at horse racing two or three days a year.
1: Sure. And it seems like Twitter has done uh, a good job bringing a lot of the horse players together, obviously divided some, some horse players as well, but for the most part, I like to look at the positives and, and, uh, that's a forum that you're fairly active on. So you could always check out, uh, Dan on, on Twitter, fat bald guy racing without the G racing R A C I N. a C I N Dan. For, I'm going to give you a little bit of a breather because you're probably t- tired of talking, uh, Uh, saddlecloths uh, uh, numbers and and names of horses so i'm going to give you a, a, a reprieve on that for a few moments here to me the kentucky derby like it hits an emotional chord with me because of how far it takes me back and the feelings that it brings me from my childhood you know i remember dan before ever going to the racetrack you know when we'd get 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 together for a weekend with uh aunts and uncles and stuff. And on Saturday, Friday night, actually, you see the dads with this newspaper looking thing, studying and intently and talking and puffing on cigars and and having a drink and wanting to go with them so badly. And I'm maybe like three, four years old. Finally, I hit a certain age where my dad is like, you're coming with us. And And I went and I remember the first time was in Stockton where the California Fair racetrack is. And he kind of wanted to, inter- to integrate me into the mix. And then after I got seasoned a little bit, then he took me to Golden Gate Fields. And then after I got seasoned for a little bit, the Holy Grail, the Kentucky Derby, not in Louisville, but at the OTB and uh, in Stockton. And man, when I think about all those times with the uncles and everything, man, it just brings me back. What does the Derby mean for you? How far back do you go with the Kentucky Derby, and does it resonate some kind of like an emotional, happy feeling with you when you think about it?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I I remember as a kid going to the track with my dad all the time and sitting on his lap reading a racing form with I'm on one lap, I'm on one knee and mix on the other knee and we're sitting there learning how to we learned how to read the racing form before we could read. You know, we, it was funny. when I mean, we, we'd take the racing form to school, and the teachers would be like, what are you doing? What is that? And, I'm like, and I would just laugh, and I'd say, that's the record. And she'd say, the record? And then she'd call my mom, we, we caught your son with the record. What is the record? And she called, go, oh, no. He brought that to school again. And I'd like, Mom, well, I had, I had to, to pick some horses for Dad when he got home. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, did, we did that all the time. And then, you know, shoot. I remember being at the Derby way back. I mean, Funny Side was one of my favorite picks that I had. And, and, uh, shoot, I can go back further. Anatomy, I mean, spectacular bid. I, I was really young for Secretariat. I was only four, but, uh, I remember it. I remember sitting there with my dad and, and him screaming and yelling and, and wanting that triple crown and, and sitting in the living room watching it with a bunch of people and just being that young. You know, Seattle Slough was my favorite horse just because of the way he looked. I just, I loved how dark he was and, and how he looked like that movie, The Black Stallion, right? <laughs> I mean, I just love that horse. So, you know, it's it, it's in the blood and it's, you know, every time it rolls around, you think about, you know, sitting with your your kid or your dad and saying, okay, where are we going to enjoy the, the derby at this year? So, yeah, it's it's a great time.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, you go back maybe a little bit before me, but... You know, I, I can recall each of those winners that uh, that, at least the ones that I got that I got right, you know, and probably kind of maybe the heyday for me was in that Thunder Gulch to Silver Charm era, real quiet, charismatic, et cetera, uh, on through Fusa Ichi Pegasus and, and uh, beyond. That's kind of my wheelhouse time period there. Um, let's let's kind of. Step back for a moment. And look at maybe some of the early trends, if there are any, at Churchill so far. Any biases? Um, any trainers that are off, off to sizzling hot starts? Just any angle at all that you may have noticed at Churchill Downs in the in the couple of days that they've been on?
2: I think the track's really fair. You know, I I, I think it's fair. You know, they're winning from the inside, the outside, the speeds holding, but there's closers that are winning. Um, you know, the key is the pace, you know, if they, if they they don't go out too fast, they won't stop, uh, you know, if they pin themselves to the rail, but there's really no bias at all. I mean, the horses win the last race, stalking from the outside and, and drew away at a good price. And, uh, you know, the, the same riders are going to win all the races. They always do, you know, the Pratts, the two Ortiz brothers, you know, they're going to dominate, uh, you know, maybe Castellano will win a couple, but I mean those, those guys, Joel Vasario, they're going to be on the best horses. Johnny V, and you know they're they're going to win because they're Chad Brown's already win a few. I mean he he purposely did not run most of his horses at Gulfstream on the turf. He did not like that turf course down there, so he's got a bunch of them that are ready to explode, and he just win one today with one that exploded home. So hopefully the weather holds off. That's, that's the key is tomorrow might get very wet and you know, it'll ruin some of the turf races. Hopefully that doesn't happen and it, and it holds up and it's not a complete sloppy track, but it it could be, unfortunately.
1: So how do you approach handicapping um, these turf races tomorrow and the next day? Do you, do you handicap it handicap on turf and in the slop both ways? To be prepared, or even when you do that, though, it's hard to figure out the pace set up before you see all the scratches that come about when they go off turf.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll look at the at the undercard turf races and and think, okay, what happens if they come off? Uh, but I won't for the stake races because they're they're not taking those stake races off unless they absolutely have to because they know those stake horses just won't run. And that that'll just decimate the whole day. So they'll do everything possible to keep those races on the turf. And Saturday it looks good. Saturday, so there should not be any rain Saturday. Um, but Friday could get ugly. But hopefully, fingers crossed, it doesn't it doesn't ruin the day. But uh, yeah, you got to have some backup plans because they may take the undercards off uh, just to protect the turf. I'm just trying to look real quick. They're, the third race is. Tomorrow, the third race tomorrow is the only undercard that's on the turf. It's a mile and an eighth, um, but there's a couple dirt horses in there that, if they do take it off, you just got to learn. You know, you got to lean to the dirt horses that that you know have got a win or a decent race on the dirt, and hope that you're right because <laughs> you know they're going to be short fields. That's for sure. Uh, it, it'll it'll be three four horse fields if if they come off.
1: Well, I have no idea if where Equibase pulls their weather data. Right now, it says light rain for tomorrow, so I don't know how accurate that is or isn't, but I think we both could agree that whatever the forecast is, we're uh, hoping and praying for good conditions. Safe conditions, of course, is the key priority, but for us handicappers, well, that's hopefully fun- good conditions.
2: It's sorry, funny you say that, too, because... I. I'm constantly talking about that with with people that, that are in the in the the suits I call them of these different racetracks. They they all want to spew safety of the horse, and you know we can't have lasix because of the safety of the horse, which I don't agree with at all. Uh, you know they want to do all this stuff supposedly for safety, but yet on big racing days they flat refuse to move post times to avoid the rain. And, you know, they claim, well, it's TV. I'm like, well, then it's not about the safety of the horse then. It's about money. Just say it. You know, 2019, they could have moved the Kentucky Derby 32 minutes, and they would have run on a dry track. And everybody that can read a radar knew exactly what time that that rain was going to hit. And all they had to do was move the, turf, the last turf race up 20 minutes, move the Derby up 20, 30 minutes, and they would have avoided it all and they wouldn't do it. So, you know, at what point is it about money versus safety? You know, I think a fast track's a lot safer, don't you? Hmm. No doubt about that. And uh, I mean, if if I got to run the Derby at 545 instead of 645 to be on a dry track, I think that they need to have the flexibility in 2022 to be able to do that. You know, it shouldn't be about, well, NBC's got the rights, and they're not going to move it one inch. I don't think that's fair to do. Not if we're talking, you know. Not if we're talking about the safety of the animal. And and don't forget, we got twenty human beings out there riding them. That you know, that maximum security thing could have really turned in a lot worse than it did. You know, what if he goes down? You know, when he clips heels on that back leg with War of Will. What what if he goes down? and he's in front of a 20-horse field in a in pouring down rain in the slop, I mean, it could have been a disaster. And horse racing doesn't need that. But, unfortunately, I'm not running the track, and I'm not running NBC. So I can only just continue to say, hey, don't, you know, Lasix might be important in your world, but I think having flexible post time is more important. Just my opinion.
1: Well, you and I could probably do a separate show about that, in particular about the uh, the parent company, of course, because uh, Churchill Downs has showed me that um, horse racing is not their priority. Safety is not their priority. They will sell out for their shareholders any which way. Um, for me, I started getting bitter with them a while back, dealing with their, yeah. um, their handling a of California about the Baffert thing.
2: Our, our, I mean, I don't know what side of the fence you're on on the Baffert thing, but I, I just for what they supposedly caught him with versus the penalty it doesn't
1: make any sense no it doesn't Maybe and the side there's got to be yeah, more to it of course well you say the which side are you on I'll, you know i'm i'm not like a Baffert apologist or anything like that but what i am is a uh, a, a lover of fairness and when i look at this See, me it doesn't too. make sense to me especially because what was the you know infraction was actually legal in california Legal levels, so uh it doesn't make sense to me that they would uh they're just trying to make a example of him an scapegoat, and I think they're stupid enough, Dan, to think that if they make an example uh the sacrificial lamb as the most prominent trainer out there that we're all going to suddenly think they've cleaned up racing, and that's just yeah exactly. BS.
2: look at the joke
1: BS. it is total joke yeah.
2: Right, which is gets me on the Lasix point. I mean, there's not a trainer on the planet that will tell you that having no Lasix for two-year-olds is a good idea. Then as soon as they turn three, mysteriously, they all suddenly need it. And all these three-year-olds now are running on Lasix. Oh, well, now we get to the Derby Trail with the good ones. So now we got to take them back off Lasix to run in the good races. Oh, well, they're not good enough to run in the Arkansas Derby and the Kentucky Derby. So back into the allowance races, now let's give them Lasix again. I mean, that, that, that's not good for the animal. And it, it doesn't make any sense.
1: No, it and, doesn't make any then, sense at all.
2: And then all these trainers, they already have alternatives. If you think that are, that a two-year-old or a three-year-old that needs lasix that's in a stakes race we can't have it if you don't think he's got he don't have some alternative that's almost LASIKs or close to LASIKs, but it's not the exact LASIKs. if you don't think that they haven't already found something you're crazy and, and i've talked to trainers about it i mean i won't name any names but they're like yeah we've got stuff that's almost LASIKs, so we just give them that i'm like well that's kind of defeats the purpose then, doesn't it? He's like, well, I don't make the stupid rules. It's just, it's just silly. I mean, it's just absolutely silly. That, I, it just, I think it's crazy that, we, that we're running our biggest races without Lasix, especially a 20-horse field, which is probably the most stressful moment, two- to three-minute moment, that this horse will ever have in his lifetime. And he can't have Lasix. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me.
1: No, but not at all. Again, and uh it sounds all I can to me like, the, bat and... <laughs> <laughs> well, like we're supposed I, I, to bat and shut It almost sounds right? like it's the same people that are making the uh, COVID decisions, <laughs> Dan. You know, uh Boy, that's it, just, it doesn't make sense. It's just a, a bunch of stupidity. Let's pick up on this in a moment. We need to take a quick commercial time out. Can you stay with us after the commercial and we can oh, yeah. dig into these cards? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We are talking to Dan Cronin, the doctor, Keeneland Dan, fat bald guy racing. Check him out more with dan right after this
0: follow us on twitter at voice TRN. get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn want to play the ponies and win at winning ponies we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys trainers and handicappers stimulating talk it gets those synapses
1: in your brain firing really fast
0: all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com this is the mike abadier show if you want to call in today we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to Mike at the Mike Now back to this week's program.
1: Back with Keeneland, Dan, we're talking Kentucky Derby. We're talking horse racing politics. We're talking horse racing safety and everything under the sun. I guess to conclude that portion of the conversation, Dan, uh, it never ceases to amaze me the hypocrisy and I also kind of look at it as uh, if they're trying to do a balancing act and balance the need to make money with the desire to create this persona or this image that they're cleaning up the sport, well, they're kind of failing at that balancing act. And I don't think horse racing has done anything to necessarily help itself with any of the opposition, in my opinion. That just my take on it.
2: No, I agree. They haven't. They've done nothing. <laughs> so, you know, they could put together all the boards and things they want. They haven't done anything yet. So we'll see if they finally start touching the real issues.
1: Yep, no doubt about that. Well, before we get to the modesty on Friday, let's uh, for a quick second talk about the undercard on Friday. Is there anything that – um kind of jumps out or are you kind of moving on from the undercard and you're getting started with race five or beyond?
2: Yeah, the undercard to me on Friday, I'll take a couple shots, but, but nothing, nothing to write home about, you know, I'm, I'm zeroing in on all the stakes races and a lot of Chad Browns. It seems like, uh, Chad Browns, Brad Cox Friday looks a little chalky to me.
1: Where do you want to start on Friday? Is there anything worth Spending a minute or two on uh, on Friday, maybe a a, a pick four sequence, or maybe a, a long shot you're keying in on, or however you want to approach Friday, the floor is yours, Dan.
2: Well, I I think uh, let's see, the middle of the card, the the sixth race, I think. I mean, anybody trying to, in the La Troy on trying to beat she dares the devil, I think you're just wasting your money. Um, you know, she's right in the middle of of some pick fours, pick threes. I think there might be a pick five in the middle there too. Um, uh, let's see Friday. There's just, uh, that that's just right in the middle of a pick four, but you know, they're just handing you the winner like they did today with baby Yoda. I mean, there there's races on these big days that when they hand you the winner, you just got to take it. You you can't try to beat horses that are not going to lose. You know, that there's, and there's a couple of them on Friday. Now, Saturday, I think the opposite, I think Saturday, I mean, there's some 15, 20 to one shots all day long. They got big chances, but uh, like for instance, Saturday or Friday, you got, she got, she dares a devil. Then you're staring at the next race, Olympiad. I mean, you're going to be even money back to even money, but what are you supposed to do? I mean, we didn't write the races, you know, that's they're staring you right in the face. I mean, I don't know how you try to beat those horses but then, as you get later, like the Edgewood in the eighth race, the Edgewood I think's wide open. I mean, Chad Brown's got three horses in there. I mean, which which Chad Brown do you take? I guess you just kind of flip a coin. On you know, now if they take it off the turf, you know, then then it really becomes a a question of who in the world is even left and who do you take? But um, just to give you an example, I I don't like the Chad Brown. They got seven to two McK- McKillick i would I would much rather have the two in there, my Philly twirl that's ten to one, because of the way the turf course is probably going to be she's going to be ten to one, she's going to be up front, and Le Peru for I don't like Le Peru much, but the one thing about him is when he is on the pace, he's always got something left, so he don't even have to send this horse, and she's going to be one two out of the gate, and those other Chad Browns are going to come from way back um so you know Dolce Zell's probably the horse to beat with with Irad. I mean, he, she's been chasing Spendarella, who's probably the best three-year-old filly in the country, especially on turf. She, she's never been headed, so you know she don't have to run her down today. So you don't have to take too many in the Edgewood, I don't think. Um, where's there's the eight eight bells? I think uh, might be a free square again. Uh, that mighty R of of uh Brad Cox with with Pratt. I mean, she looks she looks good enough to eat in there. Uh, I know Doug O'Neill thinks he's got a big chance with his filly, Awake at Midnight, at fifteen to one. I mean, I I could see throwing that horse in. Um, that might be a long shot to take a look at. Uh, did you like anything before you got to the to the Oaks?
1: Uh, I mean, I thought no, the in the, eight
2: bells, was the toughest no, race for the card.
1: In the 8 Bells, I thought the uh, if we were going to try to beat Matareya, number 8, it was uh, with Norm Cassie's horse, with Florent Daru. I thought that that horse, um, th- th- that last race at Oakland might be good enough to get the job done here. That's the number 2 pretty birdie at 4 to 1. But I agree with you. I had written down here that my top four were two, three, eight, five. Um, So I've got the uh, the five wicked halo as my long shot, but I think I'm going to expand that and include the Doug O horse because Doug O pops kind of when you least expect it. Sometimes, you know, he's got a pretty decent track record.
2: The one thing I've been going with Mm the Oakland Shippers that have come to Keeneland and now at Churchill have abysmal numbers. They are just not winning. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's a different surface. I don't know if it's, you know, just the racing wasn't as good. Uh, Maybe it was a little bit depleted because they were running at the same time as Keeneland. Uh, But for whatever reason, these horses that are shipping in are just not running. So I've been trying to go more with the Gulfstream horses, the Belmont horses. I mean, even that little Santa Anita filly win today in the, in the two-year-old race, which was shocking to me, even though she was only two to one. Uh, but these Oakland horses are just, they're just not getting anything lately. So I would be careful using the two and the five in there, but that's why it's horse racing. We all got difference of opinions. Uh, the three Marissa's lady, you named her, She has never been, I mean, she has been dynamite sprinting. Uh, Bubble Rock ran by her when they went two turns. But when she's been, I mean, she beat the favorite back at Churchill last year. So, I mean, you you almost have to use her.
1: Yeah, Uh, I was actually going to ask you, how does Turfway form kind of, what's the success at at Churchill? And is that more success on the dirt or more on the turf?
2: Yeah, it's usually not good at all. Okay. Either one. Um, but she has been running in all the stakes races, you know, so this is not a step up. Um, you know, maybe maybe facing the big one again, you know, uh the Godolphin and Cox one is, but uh but she beat her when she faced her as a young two year old, so you know, who knows? You know, who knows? But I that, that last race at Keeneland uh the Coxville, she just exploded. Uh, and she's got the perfect post to sit and stalk again. But you know, sometimes in the eight bells, they go so fast early that somebody comes out of the clouds, and that's why I would want the six on my ticket. I hate leaving Joel Rosario out on seven furlongs. I think he's the greatest seven furlong and one turn mile rider of all time, bar none.
3: Because well, you be getting so a square small. price,
1: eight to one.
2: Yeah, and he's so strong. He's going to tank this horse towards the back. He's going to let them all go. And when he puts his hands down and starts that vigorous hand ride he does, this horse is going to be absolutely flying. And I think if she's ready and Chad Brown's usually good enough to get him ready, she's got a big chance at a big number. Uh, I mean, I've got her I've got her in most of my tickets other than the one I'm singling with the 8, but I think she's the one upsetter in there that's got a big, big chance.
1: Good stuff there. The the race I would kind of uh, put a, an LS next to, a long shot next to, is race 10 as a possibility in that sprint. Um, assuming it stays on the turf and we get a full field. I thought that this was a, a potential race where you could see long shots. The morning line favorites only four to one, very lukewarm. There's only what, mm-hmm. four horses that are under uh, let's see here, four horses under 10 to one morning line. They're all sitting in that four, five, six to one range. I thought this was an and opportunity here to fly. Yeah. I thought this here was a pop. Let me ask you about three long shots that I like, see what you think. I have the uh, two, 11, and 13 as, uh, as horses that are they're in the race, and stays on turf horses to keep an eye out on.
2: Yeah, the Lear Jet. I mean, he ran really good at, at uh, Kentucky Downs, and then I just think I just think he caught you know first first start of the year Golden Pal, you know got out really bad, and I think they just gave him one. Um, now Respoli's got to wake up. I think he's about zero for thirty since he got to Kentucky. Uh, you know, at some point he's going to win a race because he's not he's not a bad rider. So sure. at some point he's got to win one, right? Uh, but he does, you know, the horse does lose. Gaff Leon jumped off to ride Caravelle, which is a, a shock to me because I didn't have Caravelle in any of my numbers. I know I know he she ran a big race last time, but, you know, a, a mare against the boys, not going to make the lead. I, I I don't see how she's 5-1, to one and I don't know why Tyler jumped on, but other than maybe Brad Cox knows something that I don't. Uh now what was the other the other long shot you like was the 11.
1: 11 just might. just might.
2: Yeah, I mean the only knock on Just Might is every other turf course he loves and he's won for eight at Churchill. So I don't I don't know why <laughs> he hasn't had much success at Churchill. Uh maybe cuz he's always running in these graded stakes races but uh he's fast. I I'll give you that. He's fast and, and he'll give you everything he's got. Um, then you said the, the 13. Yep. Uh, let's see the 13. Yeah. I mean, he's got the right post. He's got the right kind of stalking ability. He ran right behind the rest me red when, when they hooked at Aqueduct. So at 20 or 30 to one, you could, you could definitely get a, a worse horse for that for sure, because the pace is going to be so fast. Somebody's going to come off of it and come flying, you know, gear jockey's probably the most logical one to do that. But you know, I I don't know. Maybe he really wants a little bit further. Uh, I'm not really dead set that he's a five five and a half furlong horse. They they've tried to turn him into it, and you know he's caught some not so great fields when he did win. Uh, that Kentucky Downs win was a good win, but there really wasn't much in there. Um, but when he's faced the top ones, he hasn't been able to fire. So I, I'm with you. I think there could be just an absolute head scratcher in here in a blanket finish. And I like to single and hit all buttons and pick fours and fives when I can. This would definitely be the race I would hit all.
1: That takes us to the featured race, the premier race, the race that all eyes will be on tomorrow, which is the Oaks, the long jeans, Kentucky Oaks. Let's talk about the Oaks for a minute. Race 11.
2: Did you think did you agree with the morning line? No. I was shocked. I I was absolutely shocked when I saw the morning line. And, and I, I've been playing this and I said this in front of the crowd uh last night. What what do you think Secret Oath would have been on the line if Wayne Lucas would have said, Okay, we're gonna run in the fantasy against the girls. We win by five again against the so so field, running that ninety three, ninety four number, or something like that. And she comes in here off an eight length, seventh length, seven length, seven length, seventh length, length, four straight starts, just dismantling Phillies. What do you think she'd have been on the line? I think she'd have been eight to five. So he puts her in the Arkansas Derby against a bad field of boys, and it was a bad field. She got a horrible trip, a horrible ride. The only question mark was she flattened out in the stretch but maybe that was because he sent her five wide on the turn and had her five wide all the way around the turn. Or it could be she doesn't want to mount an eighth. So, that, I mean, that's the only question mark there. But it's if she stays 6-1, to one, that's an incredible value because you go from Contreras to Saez. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a monster move. So I think that's the value in the race. That's not who I like the best. I like Ness the best but I was hoping to get four or five to one on Nest. I was shocked when they put her her favorite. I I was like, oh, my Lord, I can't believe he he just put her favorite over two undefeated horses and a horse that just took on the boys. So I was very, very surprised by that, and I will be utterly shocked if she goes off five to two. I think she'll be seven to two. I think that Secret Oath will be four to one, And then I think the two undefeated horses are both going to be right around three or four to one. And there'll be four of them all about the same price is what, what I think and what I envision. Um, Of those four, I don't like Kathleen. O. I I I know she can win. I'm not, I'm not crazy, but I just don't like her. I don't like the way she worked. I, I don't like, she's only had one, two turn race. And it was a, basically it was a two horse field with four claimers so she, yeah, she beat Goddess of Fire, but she didn't beat anything else. They they went slow all the way around, and then she just ran by them. But I just, something tells me them Gulfstream Phillies are just not as good as the Fairgrounds fillies. And, you know, Nest has been all over the place. I, I, I think it's Secret Oath, Nest, or the champ Echo Zulu. I'm scared of Echo Zulu. I can't leave her off my tickets, but I can't single her either because I'm scared to death of one start in six months coming into the Oaks. That That's that's just really scary to me. Um, but she could air him. I mean, she's going to be in front. I don't care who else is in the race. Nobody's going to head her. She's too fast. She's going to make the lead. Rosario is going to send her. And it's just a matter of how far can she run. I don't know if she'll keep going or not. Um but man i 'd hate to not have her, you know, especially if she 's four to one it's different if she's six to five, but at four to one and the Oaks Derby doubles and stuff i mean you're looking you know at a forty to forty to fifty dollar double, even if you catch the favorites in the derby so i mean it's not like the double's gonna pay sixteen dollars if she wins, so i mean that 's where i 'm kinda leaning uh one of those three and then uh there is one long shot hidden connection, I'll probably add a little bit. And then uh the mystery horse, Shahama. Uh that all these guys at Churchill keep talking about her. She may run last, but she's got Pratt. She's gonna be fifteen to one. I may put her on a couple tickets, little little small tickets in case you know she blows up the board because she is outworking Goddess of Fire, but those are five furlongs. It's not a mile and eighth. So I don't know I don't know how much you take it of that, but she is flat out outworking her, um, and and it's really not close. It's it's by a pretty good margin. So there's got to be some substance there of her, and then and then you get Pratt too, and you get a monster price. So that would be my toss in.
1: Well, I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but my two price horses are the three and the thirteen, Hidden Connection and Shahama. So we're definitely on the same page. We see very similarly and then I've got uh, you know my box is going to be rounded out with Secret Oath and Echo Zulu and uh, I may you know do a bigger one with Nest but another one without Nest just in case because it's all about the uh, you know the the trip on, on, uh, on a late Friday almost 6pm let's see how it all turns out let's take our final commercial time out we'll come back We'll talk about what you all have been waiting for, which is the Kentucky Derby analysis. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Keeneland Dan after this.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: final segment on the mike abaddy show we're talking to keeneland dan we're talking about the derby oaks weekend we've talked about friday we've covered that one pretty thoroughly i think so let's shift to saturday and uh you know it's kind of funny to me dan because even though we've been doing this for a while it still to me seems i don't know when i when i see all the sponsors Lawn jeans and uh and uh LG and E and KU and Kendall Jackson and BMW and Ford and old Forester, Woodford reserve. Um, I guess that's the day and age that we live in. Right, Dan.
2: Yep. (laughs) Got out of sponsors. (laughs) I'm surprised every race ain't name run happy.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Huh? Well, you get enough of that on TVG and on, uh, you know, in the racing form and publications, I guess. So they've, they've done a, Crazy good job marketing their <laughs> what the, what they got uh in, in their barns or stables if you will.
2: Right, right. Yeah, Churchill's got to get their money on the, all this uh, advertising because they don't make enough off the betting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Speaking of betting, let's get to let's start with race five, uh, the uh, Longines Mile on the turf. Um, this one is uh as the name suggests contested at a mile. Eight starters here. What are you looking at?
2: I think it's just the two Chad Browns, and I think Vitaglia uh, missed the morning line big time on the six. I, Lady Shakespeare should be about six to one. I, I have no idea why he made her five to two. I mean, she doesn't fit at all as a favorite with the two Chad Browns. I mean, this in Italian, they told us first time she ran that she was a straight freak. And for whatever reason, Camacho took her back, checked her 8,000 times, and got her beat. So they took her to Belmont, told us there's no way she can lose, and she aired them. Later up, you know, seven, eight months, took her down to Tampa. Nobody could head her again. Put her right into the into the grade three. She, she went by a length and a half. She could have won by ten. I mean, Ira never moved an inch on her. She was light years the best horse. They've never got to the bottom of this horse. They think she can be like a, a champion type, uh, you know, with some of the upper echelons that he's had. So I think she's going to bust out here and, and run a huge race. And the only horse can beat her is the one in her own stable. Speak of the devil of, of Chad Brown. That's been running against all the, the heavy heads over in Europe. I mean, she's, this horse is running against space blues. I mean, Space Blues came over here and won the Breeders' Cup. I mean, that, this, this, there's no telling how good this mare is. So she's won two in a row. I think they deserve to be probably 6-5 to five and 8-5, to and the rest of the field has no chance. So that's all I would do in there is I would start every pick four with those two horses because there are big-time spread races coming and just take, take the, the win. And if you like one of them, single them. I'm going to take them both because they're Chad Brown, and I don't want to get beat by the wrong one if I pick the wrong one. So I'm just going to take them both. But then, you know, the next race, the next go, I think that's a wide open race. I I don't like Dream Shake at all, and and they got him five to two. He beat a bad field the other day. Milligan came back and ran out of the money. I just I, I five to two is way too low on Dream Shake. I think you can get some prices in there. I think in Junction, the eight fifteen to one with Jose Ortiz has got a big chance to win. Um, Major Fed's going to come storming down the middle of that track. Necker Island can win. So, I mean, there's some price horses in there that can win. And then the logical winner to me is the Brad Cox horse, shared sense, who's going to sit mid-pack and blast home. Uh, maybe I'll be wrong in that, that – uh, stream shake a win, but I think it's the perfect pick four race because you pitch the favorite, take the other ones, and and, and you know, you beat favorites in these kind of things and you can really get a, a nice one because then we get to the Pat Day Mile. Now of the two day card, this is the to me, this is the toughest race of the two days. I mean I think the entire field can win this race and why Jack Christopher's two to one, I have no idea. I don't, I, I scratched my head on so many races Friday and Saturday on these lines. I mean, I know he ran well as a two-year-old, but he hasn't been out since October. He's got a well-known injury. You know, they didn't try to put him on the Derby trail. They're just trying to get him started. I mean, he could win by three or he could run last. So I wouldn't get, I wouldn't take him at six to five. I've got to try to beat him. I'll probably hit the all button uh, because this is a great all race. But I like a 20-to-1 shot in here. I, I think O'Captain, the 12, has got a big chance. He's turning back on the outside. He's got Gaff Leone. He's coming out of the grade one Florida Derby. Uh, he's wind sprinting before. I love it when they wind sprinting and they make them go long and then they turn them back. And I think the mile was going to be perfect for him to come storming down that track. I don't like Mr. Prankster at all. That's that's the other reason I like the race. I don't like Christian. Uh, Jack Christopher, and I don't like my prankster, they're going to be even money and probably three to one. I think this is the race that you're going to look up and go, wow, somebody just paid $60. Um, And I'm going to have them because I'm going to hit the all button. Do you like anybody in there? I I don't like anybody. Uh,
1: No, no. I was looking at uh, prices as well. You know, I kind of have a little, little star. nothing I love, but uh, I put a little star next to number six, uh, Tejano twist. Uh, maybe uh, we could see our boy Joe Rocco get a little slice uh, on the two days of action. And then um, Trafalgar, number nine, 20 to one. I put a little star there. But, you know,
2: yeah, I mean,
1: you've, you've got to have center
2: smile, happy and Zandon. I mean, why not? Yeah. but it, it,
1: Look, I, I'm with you. You know, everybody's got their own opinion, should stick to it. But at the same time. Uh, you got to listen to others when they make important points. And what you said about the Oakland circuit and, and even fairgrounds, you know, I'm now questioning, I'm going to go back and look and, and just ask myself, am I sure that I want to lean on these positions that I've got, or if I want to expand or, or remove, because I have noticed that a lot of these picks, when you've asked me who I like, our horses that have come out of Oakland or, or fairgrounds. I'm just gonna go back and see have they won elsewhere. Did they look impressive elsewhere? Did they match speed figs elsewhere? Just to be absolutely certain. You know what I mean, Dan?
2: Yeah, I get it. I mean the fairground circuits won some races at Churchill, so I I wouldn't dismiss them, but Oaklawn is the one that I would be really, really scared of. Um yeah, If you like a horse from Oakland, you better take a couple of them, I would, I would think. And uh, that's just my opinion. But, you know, I think just from watching Churchill and watching Keeneland, I don't know why, but the Oakland horses are just really, really struggling. And then we then we go into this sprint, the Derby City Distaff. I mean, what a race this is. I mean, this is just an outstanding race. I've been told All, the Lady Fest.
1: Rocket. All-Star Fest to horses, All-Star Fest to jockeys, All-Star Fest to trainers. And uh, I think the uh, morning lines I- indicate that. I mean, every horse outside of two, uh, six out of the eight horses are, are right there, three to one to five to one range. It's telling, six horses.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I'm not big on Santa Anita horses, but Edgeway, I mean, she's got a big chance in here because she's got the perfect post She's going to be four or five to one. I know she couldn't beat four Graces or Kamari last year, but maybe she's a different horse this year. You know, she's grown up, gotten bigger and stronger. Maybe, you know, this is the time she can take them on, but she's going to get the perfect tactical trip. And, um, I mean, if she's good enough, she's going to have no excuses. But the seven furlongs might get her because you're going to have Bell's the one and obligatory. And just one time, these three Phillies storm down the track. I mean, they are going to be absolutely flying home. So, whoever, you know, does get that lead between Edgeway and Kamari, um, those are probably the two that are, one of those two are going to lead at the eighth pole. Hey,
1: Dan, let me interrupt you. I apologize to do so, but I'm being told we got about a minute and a half and we haven't even talked about race 12 yet. So, maybe just. Go to Fatball guy racing to find some of the other selections that we're going to skip over. And let's quickly talk about uh, the Derby. Who is your winner?
2: Well, I need Zandon for a bunch of money. Cause I bet on him at 89 to one in November. So I'm biased. I want him. I think he's the best horse. It's just a matter of, can he get the best trip? I think the three trip horses, the way the last 10 years have went in the Derby is Epicenter, Messier and Tavia, whichever one you like better. I think those three are going to be three abreast when they turn for home. And I think Zandon's going to be coming to get them. And I'm hoping he can run them down because it's a, it's a heck of a bet at 89 to one. So that's wow. what I'm rooting for, but that's, uh, that's the way I'm looking at it. I, I just don't know which one of those three speed horses will be able to outdo the other one to the eighth pole, but I'm hoping they're three abreast and my horse can come running.
1: Wow. I like it. We're, we're kind of on the same page there are two long shots I'm going to put in all my boxes and in my pick fours and pick fives. Number 18, Tawny Port. Number 9, Tis the Bomb. Uh, and maybe also number 16, Cyber Knife. But they're all going to be included in my picks with Epicenter, Zandon, Taba. 18, Tawny Port. That's my long shot play of the weekend, Dan. That's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Dan. Really appreciate it. Definitely check out Fat Bald Guy Racing, folks. You won't regret it. You will definitely love the product. As always, thank you, listeners. Without you, there's no show. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend and hit on that Kentucky Derby on Saturday. Good luck, everyone.